Thank you for downloading the Kol Hadash podcast. This is episode 54, originally recorded live on September 14, 2013. Thanks to Fiddler on the Roof, Judaism and tradition have become synonymous, and throughout the Sholem Aleichem stories, Tevia struggles to hold the line that keeps the traditions alive. Tradition is a link to ancestry, but breaking with tradition is inevitable, and it is Tevia's daughters who show the strength and courage to follow their hearts and go against tradition. For humanistic Jews, it is their story of making choices, rather than Tevia's acceptance, that parallels our own tradition. There's always a story behind the story. You might think that seeing the movie Fiddler on the Roof would tell you all you need to know about us, Tevia's daughters. Or maybe you saw the musical. You think you know Zeitel, who rejected her arranged marriage with a rich butcher to marry her beloved poor tailor. Or Hodel, who followed her radical to Siberia and who would have married him without permission. Or Chava, the quiet child who made the most noise by marrying an outsider in his church, but who came back to the family at the end. You think you know us, but have you ever heard of our younger sister, Sprinza, who was engaged to marry a rich Jew for love until his family refused, and then she drowned herself? Or our youngest sister, Bielka, who did marry rich, but was miserable? If you know Sprinza and Belka, maybe you read our stories in English translation, or maybe your grandmother read them in Yiddish 120 years ago when they first appeared. Even then, there is a story behind the story. Those Yiddish versions, they record our father Tevye talking to someone named Sholem Aleichem, a name that just means hello. His real name, Sholem Rabinowitz, was left behind a long time ago, another story behind the story. How can you claim to know us, Tevye's daughters, without hearing from us, knowing our side of the story? What do you think happened to our perspective through all those layers of storytelling and translation? By the time we made it to Broadway, our real experiences were long gone. We defined tradition and Jewish nostalgia so much that the film director, Norman Jewison, is thought to be Jewish, even though he's not. And our story as Fiddler on the Roof on stage and screen is so universal that audiences in Japan said, we understand why this is popular here, but why do they like it in America? <laughs> For you to really know what happened to us, what we thought and felt, you need to hear it from us. The characters we love are a part of us. We find parallels to their experiences in our own. We love in them what we know of ourselves. We sing their songs at key moments in our lives. Talmudic rabbis a thousand years before Western printing knew the Bible well enough to cite verses from memory. Sometimes they would start the verse and assume you knew the rest, even if the point they were making was in the part they did not quote. If this sounds strange, here is an example from a different canon. If I were playing a memory game with my daughter, trying to turn over two cards with the same image, 
I might sing only matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. You know the answer. Well, what makes Jewish culture challenging today is that not everyone knows the match. 1,000 years ago, there was a universal Jewish canon, what educated Jews were expected to know. Jewish men, please understand. The Torah, for sure, parts of the Talmud, etc. Today, there is no universal Jewish canon. Those who have studied the Talmud know what teku means. Woody Allen aficionados, who know the movie Annie Hall, can tell you two very gendered interpretations of three times a week. <laughs> My challenge as a humanistic rabbi, your tour guide to Jewish culture, is to make it all accessible. I won't explain three times a week. <laughs> Teku appears at the end of complex discussions with no resolution. It means that when the prophet Elijah returns, he will resolve the dispute. Here is one example. Traditionally, they would define the beginning of a new month with the visual sighting of a new moon. And you had to be a valid witness to count for your testimony of having seen the new moon. Now, what if a young man who was almost 13 years old and thus would have become a valid witness shows up to say, I saw the new moon. And if he did see the new moon, he was indeed 13 years old and would count as a valid witness. But if he was wrong and did not see the moon, he was 12 years old and would not count as a valid witness. <coughs> How do you resolve it? Teku, wait for Elijah. We may find this kind of legal reasoning amusing but not really relevant, but this kind of pill pool, this kind of hair splitting is still the core of Jewish culture and learning for part of our people today. There is no universal Jewish canon, even Fiddler on the Roof. We can't even agree on what to wish each other for Yom Kippur. Have a happy Yom Kippur sounds off. Traditionally, you might wish someone, Tichatevu v'tichatemu, may you be written and be inscribed in the Book of Life. Or Gemar Chatimatova, may you be recorded and sealed for good. But most of us don't believe in that literally anymore. You could wish someone an easy fast, but not everyone fasts. And isn't the point that it should be difficult? I tend to wish people a meaningful Yom Kippur, whatever it means to them. But I've yet to see that on a greeting card. <laughs> we like to think that our experience is universal. In my house growing up, we had the two VHS tape videotape edition of Fiddler on the Roof and we watched it many, many times. But I know not everyone did. What's fascinating about Fiddler is that while it claims to be about tradition, it is actually about Jewish modernity, changes in Jewish life, freedom, politics, anti-Semitism, migration, the major features of Jewish history of the last 200 years. Or as Tevye's eldest daughter, Zeitel, demonstrates, maybe its themes have always been part of Jewish culture, and here she is. You women with careers and personal opportunities probably pity me, a traditional daughter of Israel, kept away from synagogue and intellectual life, taught to want only a husband and sons. 
you should rather appreciate how far we have come. Yes, I still needed my father's approval and permission to break his arranged marriage with that butcher and to let me marry my poor tailor in a traditional wedding ceremony. And yes, I ran a traditional home like my mother did. Am I a radical? In my world, you were a heretic for challenging any tradition. Now, some might call my marriage traditional, one man, one woman. Traditional Jewish marriage meant matchmakers, parents arranging it, and no choice. So yes, we were radicals. Motel, my tailor, and I gave each other a pledge to marry. What was Papa's response? They gave each other a pledge? Unheard of, absurd. Remember when my father Tevya asks my mother, do you love me? He remembers, the first time I met you was on our wedding day. That was traditional marriage. Your marriages are totally different. Marrying for love, equal property rights, wives able to divorce husbands. From my experience, every marriage today is not a traditional marriage. And it all starts with the right to say no and the right to say yes, like I did. Learn from Seitel's experience, from my experience. What made love the cornerstone of marriage was freedom for men and for women. Those boys that Yenta the matchmaker was trying to set up with my sisters were no more free to marry whom they loved than we were. The truth, is, the truth is that there has always been Jewish apikorsud, Jewish heresy in every generation. People who wanted the freedom to believe what they believed and do as they chose, but they were not free to say and write what they thought. There have always been men and women, straight and gay, who wanted to follow their hearts and not Papa's decree, but they could not. When I found the courage to challenge my father and follow my heart, that was just one step to the personal freedom that you enjoy. Have you ever accepted less because you were a woman or sympathized less because you are a man? Remember, even a poor tailor is entitled to some happiness or a milkman's daughter. As Eve told you on Rosh Hashanah, you are welcome. Hearing from a re-envisioned Eve changes our view of Genesis. And so the voices of Tevye's daughters can change what we thought we knew about Tevye and the world of tradition itself. Of course, we have to decide which daughters and which Tevye. The different short stories about Tevye the milkman and his family were written years apart between 1894 and 1914. That's 20 years. And they don't even agree on how many daughters he had. The stories describe Tevye's grinding, starving poverty compared to the rich Jews who buy his milk and cheese, a reality then that made Jewish socialism attractive to Jewish masses. On stage and screen as Fiddler on the Roof, created in post-World War II American integration and affluence, they softened the class warfare theme. But there is still one issue that remains on the Jewish table, the story of Chava. I, Chava, was named after Eve, the mother of all life. I understand you heard from her a few days ago. 
In our people's mythology, Chava, Eve, is pre-Jewish, universal, connected to every human being and every human culture. Is it any wonder that I was curious about the outside world? It began with sharing books, exploring the ideas and language of our neighbors. But the crisis came when it turned to love. Yes, my love and I were married in a Russian Orthodox church. And I know that my conversion, the church demanded, broke my parents' hearts and my own ties with my own tradition. But we had no choice. There was no civil marriage in Tsarist Russia, no way to celebrate a secular love. You shouldn't feel too smug. Even today, the state of Israel is the same. Orthodox rabbi or Christian clergy or Muslim imam or nothing. And despite every barrier, I tried to reach out to my family who shunned me and turned me away until the very end of my story. I had the chance to hear your rabbi's podcast about intermarriage, and I must say it was very interesting. If I had come to my town's rabbi with my chvetka, my beloved, and my rabbi had said mazel tov instead of oy vey, who knows what choices we might have made. When I tried to speak to my father, he said, a bird may love a fish, but where will they build a home together? I see that some Jews today still live in that same bubble of either or, in or out. And our children, out. Those people say that being half Jewish is like being half pregnant. The reality is that my children should not have to choose one set of grandparents to love. Someday they may choose one community, one identity, but they should never have to deny who they are and who we, their parents, are. I am glad to hear that today there are rabbis who would have married Fredka and Chava. These rabbis understand that saying no will not stop us from getting married. Today I can have a friend ordained on this internet. We can avoid all the service and just not get married. We are no longer a bird and a fish. We live in the same world. And today, unlike my day, the vast majority of Jews understand that intermarriage is inevitable in an open society. Would you rather go back to my world, the closed society on both sides that made hostility, suspicion, even violence, but also very little intermarriage? Of course, I know it would not have been easy, since I might not have called your rabbi first. I might have found one who would not marry us unless Fedka converted, or one who would have only done it if we promised to raise our children exclusively Jewish, or a rabbi who would refuse to co-officiate with other clergy, or a rabbi who would not do it on a Saturday unless it was after 6 p.m., or still more pilpul. I won't do it in a box. I won't do it with a fox. <laughs> From what I've seen, Chava, the attitude by many is still, first, stop them. Second, if they must, push conversion. But isn't that what the Russian Orthodox priest said to me? We don't like this connection with who you really are. 
The best solution is conversion, and the children must be only ours. What if my children want to learn about who their mother was, who their grandparents, Tevye and Golda, still are? You Jews today who demand conversion, can we not have the confidence, the strength, the joy in our Yiddishkeit, our Jewishness, to offer our partners and their family cultures the respect that we ask for ourselves? I did not choose to love my non-Jewish husband in order to hurt my parents. I did not fall in love with a non-Jew. I fell in love with him. My father rejected me for years, but you, you do not reject your children or your grandchildren. We would have loved to be married with symbols from both of our traditions, to celebrate with both families, to raise children connected to both sets of grandparents. I would have loved a connection with an open Jewish community like this humanistic Judaism. Just remember how lucky you are that this exists, that there is a Jewish home like this for people like me, for families like mine and yours. Rabbi Shalom again. I'm grateful that Chava's voice, both in the original and in this modern sequel, expresses her values. It's too bad they were ahead of their time. For decades, our rabbi emeritus, Daniel Friedman, was one of the few rabbis in Chicago who would do intermarriages. And some of those rabbis would only do them secretly in their office. Over a 50-year career, Rabbi Friedman officiated at over 3,500 weddings, sometimes doing five or more in one day. Yet an old Yiddish saying still applied. One tush cannot dance at two weddings. <laughs> How many people calling other rabbis heard no, no, a thousand times no, rather than yes? When couples call me today and they ask hesitantly if I will marry them if one partner is not Jewish, my response is, I have one question. Do you love each other? The answer is always yes. And away we go. We've learned from Chava. We've grown. Again, the values of Tevya's daughters are not tradition. They are the present and the future. And now they all jump on me. Then why are we only about marriage? You men have always assumed you knew what we were, who we were, what we wanted. The rabbis made a separate division of Jewish law called women, as if we were some special case. You men decided what we could learn, what we could do. We keep the home kosher, so we know the rules, but you make all the decisions. Well, we Jewish women, we Tevye's daughters, are more than what tradition tells us to be. We may start there, but we will become who we will become. The poet Malka Heifetz Tussman puts our feelings into words very well, so we'll let her do the talking. I am the exalted Rachel, whose love lit the way for Rabbi Akiva. I am the pious girl who paled as her mother raised her hands to her eyes for the blessing over the Sabbath candles. I am the obedient bride who humbly bent her head beneath the shear the night before the wedding. I am the woman of valor who bore and fed children to earn herself a little place in paradise. I am the mother who in great hardship raised sons to be righteous men. 
I am the Chassid's daughter, infused with her father's fervor, who went out defiant, with her hair cropped, to educate the people. I am the barrier breaker who freed love from the wedding canopy. I am the pampered girl who set herself behind a plow to force the gray desert into green life. I am the one whose fingers tightened around the hoe on guard for the steps of the enemy. I am the one who stubbornly carries around a strange alphabet to implant in children's ears. I am these and many more, and everywhere, always, I am a woman. We Tevye's daughters are Prime Minister Golda Meir, when America has never had a woman president. We are Hannah Senesh, the paratrooper fighting to save lives, whose poetry lives beyond the grave. We are Tzaitl, who challenged authority, and Hodel, who married Jewish but for love, and without her father's permission. And we are Chava, who lost her family for love but deserves to get it back. Why is your male rabbi speaking for us? Because women's liberation is human liberation. Women's experience is human experience. If one of us is free to marry for love, so are the rest. Tevye's daughters may be your children too. Rabbi Shalom at the end. I've enjoyed history my whole life, and you can always ask a simple question. When would you have wanted to live? I had a history teacher in high school who said that if he could live in any period, he would live right now because of the dentistry. <laughs> what was the best period in Jewish history? It has to be right now. Never before have all parts of the Jewish people had the opportunity to be fully part of Jewish life. And not just Jewish women, but also Jewish humanists, and LGBT Jews, and multi-heritage Jews, and Jews of color, and Jews by choice, and members of the Jewish family by adoption, and by marriage, and by interest. When my future mother-in-law applied to rabbinical school in 1970, she was told that women could not be rabbis. It took her 30 more years to finally be ordained. Today, any Tevye's daughter all children of the Jewish family have the right to imagine their own futures, even a future as a rabbi, a teacher, a decider of Jewish law, a creator of the Jewish future. And that is the present we celebrate as in truth, a truly Shana Tova, a good and a wonderful year. Wishing you all health, happiness, and joy. This podcast was recorded and produced by Ken Burke on behalf of Rabbi Shalom and Kol Hadash in conjunction with Repatriation Studios. I'm Ken Burke, and thank you.